0: Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Today we're going to talk about life in the church. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to see a passage, and the Bible uses the word ligaments. And it refers to us as every supporting ligament. Now, if you're not sure of your anatomy, a ligament is... It's a white band of tissue that holds bones to bones. It also holds vital organs in place. And so ligaments are an important part of the body. You know, if you want to see it at work, you can look right here. This is your knee. Anybody here ever blown out their ACL? Okay, we have a few. And you know that you can be in the same body... The bones can be right next to each other, and you can have strong muscles, but if the ligaments are not doing their job, the knee doesn't function. You have know, another part of the body that's got a lot of great ligaments, this is the wrist, and every time you move your hand, there are so many ligaments at work, and so you've got all your muscles, but without the ligaments working in the hand, your hand can't do What the hand needs to do. It's amazing. You look at all those ligaments that are there. You say, well, why are you showing me a picture of a knee and a hand? Because the Holy Spirit chose very carefully a word to describe you. The Holy Spirit chose very carefully a word to describe relationships in the church. And we're going to start over in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 11 to 16. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's talking about life in the church, it's talking about life in the body of Christ. Uh, We live in a world that kind of views church as a separate entity from Christianity. And so you'll hear people say, hey, I'm tight with God, but I don't want to have anything to do with church. Or I love God, but I don't go anywhere on Sunday. You know, I'll go one place, I'll go to another, but that's really not what's important because God and I are awesome. That is just not a biblical teaching. There is no such thing as New Testament Christianity outside of the life of the body of Christ. The fact is the body of Christ, the church, is the training ground for what we're going to do in heaven. We're imperfect. We're sinners. And so we need to work out our flaws. We need to grow. We need to mature. And so we get the chance to practice with one another. So that when we get to heaven, we're good at it. The Bible says it's actually easier to love your brother whom you've seen than it is to love God whom you've not seen. And so relationships are a good training ground. You know, I told our sons when they were in high school, we sat down with them and said, you know, we love you guys. You're about to go to college. And... Unless there was some special extenuating circumstances, you can't live at home when you go to college. And they said, Yeah, but it's expensive. And I said, You know what? The woman you marry one day is going to thank us. Because it's just good training ground. You have to deal with things like, My roommate's a slob, and so and so doesn't do their dishes. And then you get some households, and this never works, you know, where they label food items. My milk. You know, that's like, I got a friend spend the night, and he wants some cereal, but there's none of my milk. There's my cereal, but there's only your milk. So they can use your milk with my cereal? That's just odd and weird. You don't do that in marriage. You don't do that in a family. You know, it's like... You've got to work out your differences. But sometimes we try and create all these things to eliminate issues. You know what? We are, we are issue magnets. And that's why we need the church. Because we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to become like Jesus on our own. We need to be ligaments. The Bible Lists that out. The Holy Spirit knew exactly what he was doing. Why did he use the word ligament? Because ligaments keep bones connected and keeps organs in their correct place. The Bible says that our relationships are defined as every supporting ligament. You say, for what purpose? It says to prepare God's people for works of service. So what's that? Well, the context is relationships within the church of what's going on. The works of service is church life. Now, I grew up in a church where you had church friends and then you had your real friends. And the church friends are the people you hung out with on Sunday morning. And your real friends were the people that you hung out with the other six and a half days. And so the first time I saw a church where people loved being together and hung out multiple days of the week, it was unique. It was special. It was different. I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like it. But can you imagine if your ligament said, I am just going to function on Sunday mornings? Your wrist, your knee, they're on their own the other six and a half days. Good luck. Like that would not be good. But God has a purpose in mind for you. You're a part of the whole equation. You're a part of the family. You're a part of the body. And you go, yeah, but sometimes I don't feel that way or I feel disconnected. Well, there's reasons for that, and we're going we're gonna to look at those. But the church life is purposeful. There's a reason for it. And it's not just to sit there on a Sunday morning and attend or come to church at midweek on a Tuesday night and attend, there is a function that you are to be accomplishing as part of the body of Christ, as, in, as, as a supporting ligament. What is it? It's to build up the body of Christ. There's works of service for you to do. You know, it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, we like it when our body functions correctly. You know, Don't you like it? That way, if you're injured and your body is not functioning correctly, you don't go, oh, a well, big deal. You're like, I just, I just want to get healthy. I just, you know, I want it to feel better. I want it to feel stronger. I, I remember when I had shoulder surgery and I came, I came out of the surgery and I was in this sling and the doctor said, hey, just make sure you're stretching it out. Walk your hand up the wall. And I would do that multiple times a day. And I'd stand, you know, and then eventually I started losing my range of motion. So they sent me to physical therapy. But I remember my first day of physical therapy, they gave me a one pound weight and said, okay, hold it, turn your thumb down, and then lift the one pound weight. It was one pound, and I'm telling you, I did not have the strength to lift it. And I remember the lady that was. My physical therapist, she goes, okay, fine. You can do it without the one-pound weight. <laughs> I'm like, touche. That's correct. And I, so I had no weight in it, and I'm struggling to lift. I was not like, oh, this is so awesome. I was like, I can't even lift one pound. It's not healthy. It's not right. i got a problem. I want to get it better. I want to get it stronger. The body is designed to work in a certain way, and when it does, it's amazing. It's so complex. God is a phenomenal biomedical engineer. He has orchestrated things in so many miraculous ways, it's incredible. The human body is amazing. I don't know how anyone can study the human body and not believe in God. But you know what? The church is amazing and it's orchestrated and designed by God in, with the same spectacular reasons behind it. And when the body of Christ functions the way it's meant to be, it's incredible. You want a snapshot of what it looks like? Wednesday. We had a celebration of life for a dear sister, Sharon Yarbrough. It was an amazing time. You know what that was? That was ligaments working together. That was a healthy body of Christ. I mean, there was all kinds of dancing going on. A lot of good food. I went back to the uh spicy shrimp multiple times. Fried chicken. I did have a little bit of salad. I know, I just you guys would be proud of me. But seconds of ice cream. But I mean, it was just an incredible family time. Everybody who left was strengthened. You know why? Because we were built up. We were built up in love as we remembered a very dear sister. You know, that's what the body of Christ accomplishes. You know, I've been to a lot of parties in 50 years of living where did not leave with the same feeling I left on Wednesday night. There are many people that would marvel that that was a funeral, that that was a celebration of life. I mean, it was, it was more fun than some weddings I've been to. Just saying. say, why is that? Because the body of Christ is amazing. And we got to experience that together. You know, sometimes the body is, just isn't the way it ought to be. See that pinky finger there? In case you're not good at reading x-rays. That's not normal. It's out of place. The ligaments are not functioning correctly. You know, Paul, as he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he says, there's the healthy picture of the body of Christ, and then there's there's a picture where it's kind of messed up. Yeah, how, how are you doing? Hopefully this picture, hopefully this pinky finger doesn't represent you. But what's he say? He said, what's the healthy body of Christ? He says, Until we all reach unity in the faith. The knowledge of the Son of God. And maturity in Christ. He says that's the healthy body of Christ. That's what the ligaments do. That's what we do. That is the works of service that are set out for us to do. So, you know why they take x-rays? So they can see what's going on. You know, the Bible is a spiritual window. It's a spiritual x-ray to see how you're doing. And so Paul would ask us the question, how unified are you? How much unity do you produce when people leave a conversation with you? Are they more connected? Are they more united? Or are they more distrusting? Say so where are you really at? Yo, know, x-rays show us where bones are really at. The Bible will show us where we're really at. How about knowledge of the Son of God? That is not an intellectual concept of who Jesus is. It's talking about your personal knowledge, your personal connection Your intimacy with Jesus, the Son of God. This is talking about your real relationship with Jesus. Say, how real is it? How connected and meaningful and motivating is it? How passionate is it? Is there that zeal? Is there that excitement? You see, we can know. I grew up as a kid. I I could tell you who Jesus was. Oh, yeah. Even as a little kid, I could tell you. Well, he was the Son of God. He was born of a Virgin Mary. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem. He died on a cross. And we can all be forgiven. I could have given those answers as a kid. But I didn't have a personal connection to Jesus. It was just a theoretical thing out there. See, the body of Christ is where we work on that. The body of Christ is where we work on being connected. We grow in our connection. For what purpose? To be close to Jesus. To say, how you doing? What's the x-ray show? Well, how's your prayer life? Would Jesus say you're connected to him? Are you the pinky finger that's facing the wrong way? You go, well, Ron, I, I pray, I read my Bible every day. Because you have to? And because you're so fired up about Jesus that you just can't imagine life any other way. It's the knowledge of the Son of God. How about maturity? Are you mature in Christ? Yeah, there's not one of us that want to be known for being Immature. Immaturity is not a hallmark of anything. Maturity in Christ means we look like Jesus spiritually. We live like Jesus. We act like Jesus. We function like Jesus. We have the character of Jesus, the self-control of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. That's maturity as a believer. You say, well, Ron, I mean, I'm not perfect. Well, good news. Neither are any of us. But we still strive for perfection. We don't let ourselves off the hook of maturity because we're not perfect. We should be more like Jesus this year than we were last year. We should have greater faith this year than we did last year. We should have greater self control and discipline and a better walk with God and better evangelism and better hospitality and more patience and more wisdom. Why? Because we're becoming mature in Christ. Notice the Bible does not say that a healthy church is old. Says healthy church is mature. Old and mature are not the same thing. You can be young and mature, and you can be old and immature. That's that's the goal. That's that's the healthy picture of what the church looks like. That's a picture that's painted. So so what's the spiritual x ray of your life show? How you doing? Yeah, the passage goes on, and it and it talks about a couple things of, of being immature. In verse 14, it says, We'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You say, what's this a picture of? Emphacy. Okay, here's a picture for you. This is from the America's Cup. It was either last year or 2015, and this is the New Zealand boat. These boats are millions of dollars. It's the greatest sailing uh, race that happens every year. It's an amazing thing. Now, in case you're not a sailor, this is not a good picture. I had various choices of ones. They had ones with the, where the boat was in the water upside down. But I thought, you might not get an idea of what just happened, so I picked this picture. This boat's on its way over. You look at the, the, the guys at the bottom. Big catamaran here, and, and the wind is blowing this thing over. You know, they're, they're trying to win a yacht race. They're trying to win. they got places to go, and the wind blew them over. Yeah, to get a big boat with a crane on it and because it's not just like, oh, we'll just tip it right side up. It took a lot of effort. You know, some of us spiritually, here's where we're at. We are this sailboat emotionally and spiritually. You know, it tells us two things that just toss us around. What's the first thing? What you hear. to teaching. Oh, no. Here we go. Well, what's that look like? Well, it can be intellectual things. It can be theoretical things. It can be doctrinal things. It can be political things. It can be opinions of your spouse. It can be opinions of your kids. Parents, you know that feeling? When you're training your kids and they go off to, you know, junior high or high school and they come home one day and guess what I learned? And they start telling you their opinions and they're not ones that you agree with. You're like, where'd you learn that? My teacher told me. So, parent, how do you how do at do that moment? Are you the sailboat? Are you able to stay calm and steady? Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of what we hear that's going to toss us back and forth. Oh, no, so-and-so said this. Oh, the wind's blowing. So-and-so said that. And I remember sailing with my dad in Jamaica. My dad was not a nimble person in his old age, but he wanted to go out sailing. And so we, we took a catamaran and we went out and it was a great sailing day. The wind was blowing about 25, 30 miles an hour. And we're out there, and I'm like, Dad, okay, you ready? I'm about to turn. And when I tell you now, you just lay down on the mat and do not put your head up to see what's going on until I tell you it's okay. You know, and we're out there and we're flying along in the waves, and I'm like, All right, here we go now. And then he'd lay down and we'd turn, and then the wind would catch us, and away we go. And it was fun. But there's times where I go, Dad, you gotta get on the other side of the boat. We're gonna tip over, and the wind is taking us. You know what? Sometimes that's how we feel in life. Paul says, that is not a mark of maturity. Our kids say it a different way. They say things like, Dad, why are you freaking out? You know, I think Paul looks at us sometimes and "What, well, You know, what have you all been out of shape about? It's like, Well, so so said this, and I read this in the paper, and da 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 da. And Paul's like, Why are you freaking out? This is infancy. You're tossed here and there, and we're all over the place. By what? Everyone's a teaching. Look, like how strong are your convictions? Your convictions will always, always be tested. If you're surviving off what somebody else believes, you're not going to make it. you got to have your own anchor. Say, so how are you doing? You know what the second thing he says? And it's interesting, he only listed two. It says, every wind of teaching, and then... I just kind of put it in one word. People. He says, people and their deceitful scheming and the cunning and craftiness of men. You you know what is all encompassing with that? Sin, bad things, bad agendas, shenanigans, and everything else that you're thinking of right now. That's all in there. That's just in the people category. Now, notice that this is, is more of an outsider thing. He's not talking to them. They're the ones that get tossed about. But what's the cause of the tossing? Other people's sin. You know, I remember talking to John Mannell once when... I don't remember which son was going through some stuff and it was emotional and you're just like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And, you know, John, I just feel this way. It's like scourging. And he goes, Ron, if you sin because your child is sinning, that makes no sense. He goes, didn't you say Jesus is Lord of your life? Is it? Or is it your kids' behavior that is Lord of your life? And I remember John saying the greatest gift you can give your kids is an unaffected Christianity. That means the people we care about are going to do some boneheaded things in the cunning and craftiness and deceitful scheming and all that. Yeah, they are. But if it's tossing us all around, the Bible says you're an infant. It's not mature. You know, we try to be sophisticated, don't we? Well, it's because I love them so much I'm really concerned. No, Paul says... If it rocks your world spiritually, I'm not saying if it hurts, I'm not saying if it's discouraging, I'm not saying if it's painful. He's saying if it rocks your world spiritually, so that you're tossed about like the sailboat that's tipping over. Paul says, immature. Immature. So those are the things that get us upset. Say, how you doing? in those two categories anybody you know done any boneheaded things how are you handling it are you steady through life faithful through life or is your catamaran turning over remember where we started This is church life. This is relationships. This is ligaments. This is all in the context of how the body of Christ is supposed to function. Notice, it does not say you might be the unlucky person that has somebody do a boneheaded thing to you. No, it's kind of a given, isn't it? That these things are going to happen. And if you're disconnected and the ligaments are not functioning, you open yourself up to all this immature behavior of toss here and there and all that. He says, the problem, you know, what's going on in your life? Now nah, the problem is, is the lack of connection with the ligaments. The ligaments are not holding in place everything that's supposed to be held in place. It's a reflection of your relationships. We're never going to escape issues. We all got issues. So what do we got to do? Well, it's time for repair. It's not a picture of Mark Felici's hand. (laughs) You know, I told him, I said, you shouldn't jump on slippery rocks right before basketball camp and team camp. You know, he had to have some repair. You know, repair time is not fun. They got to get in there. They got to cut. If it's really bad, sometimes they got to chisel. They got to drill. They got to screw things in there. Why? Because they're fixing the bad connection. I thought about showing a before and after picture of. Uh, My son Michael's arm, freshman year of college, when he was running on the track at high school on Good Friday with his buddies and fell, snapped both bones in his arm. So his arm went this way and then like just made like a 20 degree angle. But then I thought some of you might be grossed out. Others you might thought it was cool and you can see me later. I got it. (laughs) So I just showed this one. Uh, But he needed repair to this day. He's got uh, two or three different plates and a whole bunch of screws in his arm. I also have a picture of that x-ray. So that's kind of (laughs) cool. But you need repair time. The Bible only gives us one practical. To repair the problems. What is it? Here's Here's what it says. Speak the truth and love. You know, so you got this. Okay, here's what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. But sometimes we're tossed, you know, here and there by every wind of teaching, and then the things people do. And it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into all things, and that is Christ. They give, they give us the one practical: speak the truth in love. That's how the ligaments are defined: speaking the truth. And love. Now, some of us, especially when we're offended, we want to stop with the first part of that. Speak the truth. I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. But you felt better afterwards, didn't you? Yeah. How did they feel? Well, they know that they hurt me. Here here's a good thing to think about. Okay, when you sin against somebody, how would you want to be spoken to? Would you want to be challenged in the exact same way? I really hope if I do a bad job at work that my boss sits me down and gives me a piece of their mind. That's what I want. And if I mess up in my marriage, I want my spouse to sit me down and... And give me a piece of their mind. That's what I want. No, we never want that. But isn't it amazing when we're offended how much we want to give that? No, it says speak the truth in love. That means we are filtering it through the listener's ears. Going, will this be received the way I want it to be received the goal of speaking the truth in love is not to vent our feelings the goal of speaking the truth in love is to build up the offender that's the context now sometimes we think this is a given speak the truth well of course as christians we need to speak the truth are we Is there any conversations you should have had by now? And you haven't because you've been afraid to speak the truth. Somebody hurt my feelings and I'm thinking about them right now because the Holy Spirit's making sure their name comes to mind. And I've thought about it and it happened a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or five years ago. But I didn't tell them because I was afraid. We haven't spoken the truth. So you know, I'm a conflict avoider by nature, and I remember as a young married guy i i, I hated conflict. I would do everything to avoid conflict but can can we just can you just say you know I forgive you, and then it's over and you know i I would feel things, but I didn't want to say it because then. It might have a conflict, and I didn't want to have a conflict, so, oh, I'm taking the high road, which means I'm avoiding the conflict. I wasn't taking the high road. I was still keeping track. And then you know what I would do? You'd have five or ten of those situations, and then the eleventh one would happen, and the Scud missiles would get launched. You know why? Because I would give her eleven situations of reaction. Say, whose fault is that? Well my wife, because she had eleven situations that she did bad to me. No. It's my fault. Because I wasn't honest. You some of us got situations that are unresolved right now. And we're too afraid to have the conversation, the honest conversation. The body of Christ will not function the way it ought to function without speaking the truth in love. Remember, you can, you know, all the muscles and the bones of the knee or the wrist can be right there. But if the ligaments are not connected, it's not going to function, even though it's all right next to each other. Just because we attend does not mean the body of Christ is functioning the way it's designed to function. Speak the truth in love. That also means, hey, when I got things I need to talk about for my life, I'm initiating the process. I don't have to get caught. I don't have to play 20 questions where, you know, you ask me enough questions that the only way I could get out of it is just point blank lying. No, I know what's being asked. So what are you talking about? Hey, How's your purity? Oh, pretty good. What does that mean? If my wife said, hey, honey, are you faithful in our marriage? I'm pretty faithful. Do you think she might ask more questions? When we give these vague generalization answers, you know what it is? We're leaving a vagueness on purpose. Because we don't want to just say, here's what's going on. See, the body of Christ is built up when we speak the truth in love. Say, how are you doing as a true speaker in love? The Holy Spirit's prompting you to have conversations. Hey, have those conversations today. Do not let another day go by. Because we want the body of Christ to be built up. You know, the thing about having surgery, you see the knee on the left? It's officially, that's the right knee. You see the scar line that's going on there? You know, scar tissue is not a good thing. The original tissue is better. The original tissue is nice and flexible. Scar tissue is, is stiff. You know, when you go through surgery, it leaves scars behind. And it produces an inflexibility. You know, isn't it amazing how the same thing happens in the human heart? We got scars. We got residue. And what happens? We lose our range of motion. We start losing our commitment. We start losing our joy. Why? Scar tissue. You know, I don't know when uh, this process began of dealing with scar tissue in this way. But I'd never heard of it when I was young, even though scar tissue still existed. But you ever heard of scraping the scar tissue? i got two people close to me that have endured this a lot. Scott Vance, who's away on vacation, and my wife. She was having problems with her uh, iliotibial band, the IT band, on the outside of her leg. And she's racing in duathlons, and so it was, was hard to run. And so she went to a physical therapist, and he took this hard plastic device. And you know what he did to my wife? He just started scraping on her leg. You know, just taking it and rubbing it hard on the outside of the leg. Why? Because the problem that was going on was scar tissue. And he said, the pain that you got is a tightness due to the scar tissue. And so we got to break up the scar tissue. I remember one day she came home and I saw her knee and it looked like she'd gotten whacked with the baseball bat. And that was all from breaking up the scar tissue. I'm like, did it hurt? Yeah. (laughs) You can tell this guy's not fired up about what's going on. You know, it's kind of like a little bit like you, you ever roll out the lactic acid after a hard workout on one of those foam roller balls. You know, it hurts. But it's producing the right things. You know, some of us, we got to start scraping the scar tissue in our heart. It is restricting who you are, it's restricting what you do. You're not connected with people you don't trust. Why? Because of scar tissue. You got fears that are dominating your heart, past hurts that have happened. And that scar tissue stopping you from living the life that God wants you to live. So how are you going to remove the scar tissue? Scrape away. I've told people, you know, when I was working with the Bible talk leaders and I was talking to them about, you know, studying the Bible with people and working with the heart. I said, you're not trying to avoid heart issues. You're actually trying to uncover them. And so, if you're studying the Bible and somebody gets a little touchy about a subject, I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna touch that bruise some more. Cause there's something going on in there. We're gonna scrape the scar tissue. You don't go, oh, they kind of reacted. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm like, Oh, no, this is like really good. You know why? Because we're working on the heart. We're getting the ugly out. Why? Because scar tissue is going to hold you back. You think about why you do what you do. And we're grown and mature in every way. And then there's times we react like infants. And it totally goes back to scar tissue that we haven't dealt with. We don't want to talk about it. We want to avoid it. Nah, you know the new techniques? They just take a hard plastic thing and they start scraping. Use the Word of God to be a scar tissue scraper. Why? Because you know what's on the other side? Health. Flexibility. Trust. And connection. You know, the final part of that verse we read, it says... The body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know what each part doing its work means? Is that each part needs to do each part. That means you. It does not say the Bible talk leaders do the work and the rest of the people don't. No, each part. That's all of us. That's everybody in the body of Christ has work to do. We're all ligaments. Every supporting ligament does its work. That's you. You are necessary. You are vital to the health of the body of Christ. You know I told you about the inchworm push-up that I was a part of at Goruck. I don't this isn't a picture of the one I did, but this is another one. And so, you know, your legs are on top of the person behind you, and you do a group push-up. With your rucksack on with 25-pound weight in there, too. That was a joy. At the end of hiking 17 miles. But this doesn't function if one part says, Nah, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to pass on this one. And the church is the same way. As each part does its work. So what work do we have to do? we got to support one another. We're all in charge of supporting all of us. we got to strengthen one another. Somebody's hurting? We're all in charge of strengthening one another. We're all in charge of connecting with one another. So we see somebody that's hurting. We see somebody who's isolated. You go, oh, well, they're not in my ministry. Doesn't matter. We are part of the every supporting ligament. We connect. We all need to be unifiers and unite. We take people that are separate. We get them together. We get them reconciled. We're stabilizing forces. I mean, the wind starts blowing. Somebody's unsettled. Hey, we come in and we help calm the storm. We bring maturity or wisdom or faith. Encouragement to a situation. And finally, we mature one another. The body of Christ should never look the same. A month from now, a year from now, we ought to be more like...